Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Welcome to uh, Praying for America. It is Monday, the 23rd of January of 2023, and we just got done having several days of very intense national pro-life witness and rallying and marching. I'm going to tell you a little bit about what we did the last few days. It was the March for Life in Washington, D.C., the largest annual pro-life gathering. Uh, RSBN covered it. There were a lot of things on Getter, and so many of you on various other platforms where you're watching right now, I'm sure, saw a lot of what happened. And then there was the second largest annual pro-life gathering and march on the West Coast. I went to that as well and led events at both of these gatherings. That was in San Francisco. So we're going to talk about that. And I'm going to show you in tonight's show the message I delivered at the National Prayer Service. That is the prayer service on the morning of the March for Life. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Well, first, as always, we'll go to the scriptures. I just want to comment on a little bit about something that was in the news today about Pelosi and give you some perspective on that and has to do with the devil and the devil and Pelosi. We'll get into that in a second. Uh, let's go to the book of Psalms. I want to read tonight as we pray from Psalm 103. Let's pray it in our hearts together. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your ills. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with steadfast love and compassion. He satisfies you with good things as long as you live, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. He has made known his ways to Moses his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will He keep His anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor requite us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His love towards those who fear Him. And as far as the east is from the west, So far has he put our transgressions from us. As a father takes pity on his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting to those who fear Him and His righteousness to children's children for those who keep His covenant and remember to do His commands. Let us pray. Father, You show Your steadfast love to Your people and to America. You have given us abundant blessings in our founding not just in nature and the gifts of nature, but in your revelation and in the principles, the ideas and the ideals, the self-evident truths, the unalienable rights, the recognition of which 
our founders asserted right from the beginning. And so we thank you, Lord, for that, for the goods, both physical and spiritual, that you have poured out on this country. And Lord, we who gather each evening for this this time of prayer and reflection, thank you for the ability and the strength to defend those values, those principles, those rights. Tonight we reflect in a particular way on how this nation is rallying together to defend the first right, the most fundamental right, a right to life. May we always do so, Lord, with joy and with effectiveness through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, you saw how Vice President Harris skipped over life when she was quoting the Declaration the other day and said, ah, we have the right to liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Yeah, there's a good reason why she would skip over the right to life, one of the inalienable, the first inalienable right mentioned in the Declaration. Why? Because she opposes it. Democrat Party opposes it. They want to snuff out life, the life of the children in the womb. Of course, they want to pretend to be, you know, in favor of the right to life at every other stage of life. But you know what? If you snuff it out at the beginning, you don't have the rest of life to be concerned about. Really, really bad, self-contradictory, delusional position to be in. But they specialize in delusion, don't they? So does Pelosi. You know what she said the other day? I want an exorcist. I want priests to come into my apartment and do an exorcism. Because she was disturbed, of course, who wouldn't be by the attack that was was uh, that that her husband suffered uh, some some months ago? We were all troubled by that. Nobody should go through that. But now she's saying that she wants a priest in there to do an exorcism. First of all, let me let me let me explain this to you from the point of view of uh, of a Catholic priest. I, I've dealt with situations before where people have requested the same thing. And the church has a particular protocol when it comes to this stuff. Um, first of all, the person requesting it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't go out and, and, and blabber about it publicly. Okay, that, That's point number one to keep in mind. These are serious issues if you think that evil, now evil spirits do exist. The devil is real. Demons are real. And spirits do attack people and, and do, do evil things. And, and, and you can be you know, even physically troubled by by evil spirits. It's not that that isn't real, that, 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 that those things are real. But because it's such serious stuff, I mean, you don't go, you know, <laughs> go to the media and start talking about it. If you're seriously in need of a priest for any kind of spiritual intervention, you go privately to the priest. That's the point number one. Point number two, you don't just call on an exorcist to come into your house because something bad happened. It's not that simple. The process that the church uh, 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 undertakes is, first of all, there's an investigation of what exactly is going on. You know, an exorcist doesn't just come in because a person calls. It's not like a pizza delivery man. The church sends in, I've been involved in some of these teams where you go in and you, and you, and you, you ask questions and you observe and you see what's really going on. And what has to happen is the person making the request and making the assertion that they're being attacked in some way by evil spirits, has to undergo certain steps of, frankly, psychological evaluation and also spiritual evaluation. In other words, 
okay, from a psychological point of view, all right, what is this person? Is, 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 does this person have a grasp on reality? Uh, is there a natural explanation for what's happening? Because the church always wants to start on the natural level. If there's a natural explanation for something going on, the church is going to take the natural explanation, not jump right away to the idea that there's devils involved and therefore take the remedy for that. You don't take the bigger remedy, exorcism, or equivalent processes uh, for bigger problems until you've eliminated the possible natural causes of what's going on. Sort of like, you know, oh, I hear this knocking, you know, this strange knocking in the middle of the night. Well, one of the first things you want to investigate is the plumbing. You know, is it the pipes knocking or the heat going on, the radiators making noise? You don't jump to the conclusion that it's evil spirits. All right. But the spiritual evaluation, now here's where it has particular application to Pelosi. You don't ask the church to come in and cast out demons if at the same time you are inviting them in. She says she wants evil spirits cast out of her out of her home. Are you letting them into your home? Are you letting them into your heart? That's the question that has to be asked first. And if a person is a Catholic, like she claims to be, well then certain questions are going to be asked if you call in an exorcist. Are you going to Mass? Are you going to Communion? Are you living in union with the teachings of the church? Are you sincere in your commitment to the church? Are you using the sacrament of confession? Are you doing anything at all to invite evil into your life? She would have to go through a little bit of a spiritual evaluation here. And with that evaluation, because we know this publicly, because she makes it public, what that evaluation is going to show is a very serious abuse of the sacrament of the Eucharist. Because she's flaunting publicly the idea that the fact that, oh, well, yeah, I go to Mass, I receive communion. And at the same time, she's throwing the teachings of the church out the window by pushing abortion. Not just, a, 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 not just accepting abortion as an option, but pushing it aggressively. So that there'll be more children killed, more families wounded, more of our money going to fund child killing, which is an industry in this country. Now, you don't do this. This is another abuse. Once again, she's going to the media, waving the flag of Catholicism. Oh, look at me. I'm calling for a priest. I want an exorcist. No. You don't call in an exorcist because something bad happened in your house. You get right with God yourself first. Before you call in an exorcist to fix something in your house, you make sure that the grace of God is in your heart and that you're doing the right thing day by day in relation to the Lord and the church that you claim to believe in. So, Nancy Pelosi, please, enough already with the public display of Catholicism. We've had enough. We're sick and tired of it. We don't want to hear it. Go to confession, go to your priest, and get your head screwed on straight when it comes to the teachings of the church. 
And by the way, stop pushing the baby killing, okay? Enough. Another thing that made me laugh the other day, you know, is this uh, poll that came out. I, I don't have the full poll here with me, but I was reading the article about it. It was comparing uh, the attitudes of Americans on the mishandling of the of the classified documents, or pre presumably classified documents, by that are being found all over the place in, on Biden's property, with the situation with President Trump with the classified documents in Mar-a-Lago. And what made me laugh was the number of people who uh, thought that President Trump was more guilty than Biden. That was a more serious offense in the case of Trump than Biden. My goodness, are these people trying? Are they like literally trying to look like fools? First of all, the difference here is, many differences, that number one, you're talking about the difference between a president of the United States and a vice president. Though what the law says about how they handle classified documents is very different. A president has the authority to declassify whatever he deems should be declassified and to take in his own possession whatever he deems should be taken. A vice president doesn't have that authority. Secondly, compare the security between the two places. I've been to Mar-a-Lago many times. Some of you have as well. You don't just walk in. There's secret service there. There's all kinds of, of, of uh, uh, firearms that they're, that they're showing you right, in, right in, in front of them before you walk through any porticos or doors. You don't get it. It was under high secret service security. And he was already in cooperation with um, federal agencies to make it even more secure. So that's like, give me a break. They can't even compare the two scenarios. I mean, the, the, the fundamental difference is President Trump didn't do, didn't do anything wrong at all. And the more people try to dig and dig and dig, and that's what a witch hunt is, right? They, in other words, the idea behind the term witch hunt is that the witch isn't there. There's no such thing. And you're hunting for something that's not there. The more they, 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 the more that the left launches these witch hunts against President Trump, the more clean he comes out to be. Because it's like you know, people are always are presumed innocent until proven guilty of anything. But if you keep trying to prove them guilty and you keep failing, they are they look even better, even stronger presumption of innocence. So, okay, well, enough with that. Let me um, talk to you about what happened in Washington. So Friday, January 20th was the March for Life. Now, I've been going to March for Life since 1976. It started in 1974 as a protest march implementing the right that we have under the Constitution to uh, a redress of grievances against the government well, lots of Americans have a grievance that the government allowed in, in 1973 the killing of children in the womb by abortion. Invented a constitutional right that doesn't exist. The Supreme Court has now reversed itself on this. But in 1973, they declared that a right to abortion exists through the Constitution. Utter nonsense, okay? But uh, since 1974, this march has taken place each year at this time of the year because the 
Roe v. Wade decision was January 22nd, 1973, which means yesterday was exactly to the day, the 50th anniversary. On Friday, we had the march. In the morning of the march, I always lead the national prayer service. And we did that again in a beautiful venue of Constitution Hall. And I delivered a message, which I want to share with you now. And after we watch uh, this message, I want to talk to you about just a few of the other things that happened. But enjoy with me now. This message, which I hope will be an inspiration to you as it was to the people who attended the prayer service, and let's re-engage ourselves and recommit ourselves even more deeply to the defense of the most defenseless among us, the children in the womb. Here's my message at this year's National Prayer Service. And to introduce our deliverer of the sermon will be pro-life leader, Frank Pavone. He's one of the most prominent leaders in the world, originally from New York. He was ordained a Roman Catholic priest in 1988 by Cardinal John O'Connor, and has dedicated his entire life in ministry to ending abortion. In 1993, he requested and received permission to serve as National Director of Priests for Life, which under his leadership has become the largest Catholic organization focused on ending abortion. He is also the president of the National Police Religious Council, the National Pastor Director of Silent More Awareness Campaign, also of Rachel's Vineyard, the world's largest ministry of healing after abortion. He travels throughout the country to an average of four states every week, preaching and teaching against abortion. He broadcasts daily to hundreds of thousands of people via his television, radio, and online programs. And over the past three decades, he has achieved many notable pro-life accomplishments. For example, Mother Teresa asked him to speak in India on life issues. The Vatican appointed him to the Pontifical Academy for Life and to the Pontifical Council for the Family to help coordinate the pro-life activities of the Catholic Church. He was president at the bedside of Terry Scheibel as she was dying and was an outspoken advocate for her life. Members of Congress had invited him to address the pro-life caucus and to preach at the prayer service of members of Congress. And also he's been in the Capitol doing also those prayer services. And he did that just prior to the vote on the health care reform. He served as the pro-life uh, uh, Catholic advisor to both President Trump's election campaign and in 2020 was the national co-chair of Pro-Life Voices for Trump. He currently serves as the former President Trump's National Faith Advisory Board and he received the Proudly Pro-Life Award by the National Rights to Life Committee and numerous other pro-life awards and honorary doctorates. He's the author of four books, Ending Abortion, Not Just Fighting It, Pro-Life Reflections for Every Day, and of course, uh, Abolishing Abortion and, um, and Proclaiming the Message of Life. Uh, the catalog of Norma McCorvey, the Jane Roe of the Roe v. Wade decision, said that he was the catalyst that brought her into the Catholic Church. His efforts have been recognized as a key factor in the reversal of Roe v. Wade. His work has been praised by presidents, popes, and countless citizens. Some church leaders have tried to cancel him, and in 2022, convinced Pope Francis to dismiss, to dismiss him from the priesthood. He continues, however, in his full-time pro-life leadership role with the unanimous support of the ministries he leads and his pro-life colleagues. And meanwhile, he is working within the church to have his priesthood fully reinstated. And I have known him for 34 years. I now thank you. Father, bring it along. Hold on. 
Praise the Lord. Today we march. Today we march and we are undeterred because this movement is winning. Brothers and sisters, note well what the readings have told us about who it is that convenes this movement and gives us our charge to proclaim the gospel of life. The gospel of life is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hear from all different realms and, and, and parts of the body of Christ are united in a proclamation to this world that Jesus Christ is Lord. We are united in the proclamation that because He is Lord, only He decides who lives and who dies. If He is Lord, a mother is not Lord over her child, nor is a father, nor is a doctor, nor is a Supreme Court, nor is a president or a governor or a member of Congress or a king or a queen or any human authority. Notice well, who gives us our charge? Paul says to Timothy that he must proclaim the gospel in the presence of God in Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. In other words, when we stand before the judgment seat of God, he's not going to judge us based on the courage that he gave to someone else or the courage he didn't give to someone else. He's going to judge you based on what he gave to you. He's going to say, did I give you an understanding? Did I give you an insight? Did I give you a passion for justice? Did I give you an opportunity? Don't worry about the other person or anybody else that I'm going to judge. What did I give to you? And when he gives us the understanding and he gives us the passion and he gives us the opportunity to stand up for our youngest brothers and sisters, that is how he is going to judge us. Did we do it? And did we do it faithfully? Today we come together and we do it faithfully again. Also keeping in mind that great commission that we heard just now in the gospel reading, it is he who stood before those disciples and said, all authority has been given to me, go therefore. And notice what he said, teach them to carry out everything I have commanded you. Among the things he has commanded us is that there will be no shedding of innocent blood. Now, brothers and sisters, when he gave freedom to his people in the days of old and led them through the Red Sea and rescued them from slavery, 
That was not the end of the struggle. They went into the desert and then, having crossed the Red Sea, they had another river to cross, the Jordan. And you'll remember what scripture says, that they sent men in to explore this promised land. Where is God leading us? What land is he going to give us? And so they went in to explore the land. And when they came back to report to Moses and the people, there was a majority report and a minority. And the majority of them said, no, 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 no. We can't do it. They're giants in that land. We felt like grasshoppers, and so must we have seemed to them. We can't do it. But Caleb and Joshua, they had another report. They said, the Lord is with us. They understood who gave them the charge. They understood what authority they were standing on. They understood how they were going to be judged. The Lord is sending us in there. The Lord is giving us this land. If the Lord is giving us this land, no power can stand against us. Let us go. And so they went. But notice, brothers and sisters, because of the hesitation, because of the doubt of so many of the people, because as we read, in Exodus, the grumbling of the people. We are disgusted with this wretched food in the desert. Where is the water to drink? They didn't trust God. At a certain point in the journey, they even said, let's form a delegation and go back to Egypt. Isn't that the way it is for us in the Christian life? We're following some challenging commands in the gospel. And sometimes it seems like the life of sin and unbelief and the ways of the world are easier. Let us go back, back into slavery, back into the darkness. It's a constant temptation for the people of God. Because the people doubted, God let them wander for 40 years. It could have been a two and a half week journey. He let them wander for 40 years instead. And he said, you will not enter the land. Your descendants will. And Caleb and Joshua. Joshua led them across that Jordan River. Brothers and sisters, we're in the same situation. We do not stand today before the power of Planned Parenthood and scratch our heads wondering if we can overcome them. No, we don't have a moment's doubt. We stand before them and we say you and your power of death and your power of deception, you have already been overcome in Jesus Christ. We stand before all the rest of the abortion industry and the National Abortion Federation and all these people who are making their living killing babies and we say the same thing to them. You have already been overcome. We stand before the forces in government. We've got a whole political party that has become the abortion party. It's the Democrat party. And we stand before them. And we stand before the Biden administration. And we say, your power of death and deception and insanity has already been overcome by the way, the truth, and the life. 
We're living. We're living under a regime that is trying to take us back to a land that our founding fathers brought us out of under the inspiration of the word of God and the spirit of Christ out of tyranny. They're trying to lead us back to tyranny and we're standing up today. We're standing up in this march and we're saying no, we are people of freedom. We are people of freedom. We, as people of freedom, have said to the Supreme Court for 50 years, you are not going to impose on us a policy on abortion. We will decide. We will protect our children. You will not impose on us a regime of abortion. They did under Roe v. Wade, and we have gained freedom again. We are the people of freedom, we are the people of life, we are the people of truth. Truth that it rests in God and is manifested in not only in God's word, in his commands and the grace of his spirit, truth that's reflected in creation itself. And we have deniers of truth in this tyrannical regime that is trying to take control of America and they're trying to, and they have gone so far as to get us to the point where we can't even say a man is a man or a woman is a woman. Brothers and sisters, maybe the reason today that we can't say a man is a man or a woman is a woman is that for 50 years we've been saying a baby's not a baby. This must stop. so grateful that Alveda is here and we've discussed many times how our uncle ML said to the civil rights movement we're not going to let any injunctions turn us around dogs turn us around we're not going to let the water hoses turn us around and so today we say we're not going to let Planned Parenthood turn us around we're not going to let the abortion industry turn us around we're not going to let the Democrat Party turn us around we're not going to let the biased media turn us around we're not going to let anyone turn us around in this movement And friends, I want to call you today to an absolute commitment to our unborn brothers and sisters in obedience to the Christ who gives us this commission and who will judge the living and the dead. Many in many professions suffer persecution from their employers. They suffer the loss of their jobs. How many teachers have lost their jobs because they stood up for truth in the classroom? They stood up for the unborn. How many people in all professions have lost their jobs because they refused to submit to tyranny when someone told them they had to have a vaccine in order to continue their employment? 
How many people have stood up for freedom and they have said, yes, if it means my job will be taken away, if it means my, my, my salary will be taken away, if it means my popularity, my position will be taken away, I have a higher loyalty. I'm standing with truth. I'm standing with Christ. I'm standing with life. Teachers and coaches and media personalities and military personnel and, and, and construction workers and people in every profession have lost their jobs and even priests have lost their jobs for standing for the truth. We will not be deterred. And so, and so, in the unity of the body of Christ, let the message go forth from this hall today. We will not stand by while our unborn brothers and sisters are killed. We will not stand by idly while truth is distorted and trampled underfoot. We will not stand idly by when people try to reduce us to cowardice and silence. We will march forth. This movement will win. We will gain protection for our unborn brothers and sisters. And we will save America and bring this country back to the founding principles which we inherited from those founders who were also believers in Christ. Let us march with this in mind today. Let us march knowing that we're not just working for victory. We are working from victory. Victory is our starting point because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. He is with us. He is speaking through us. He is uniting us. He is marching with us. He is working through us as the Lord of life to save life and to bring us to his entire victory of life. Let us march then and let us proclaim him to all the world. Jesus Christ is Lord. God bless you. Well, brothers and sisters, I hope that that was a, uh, a, a, an inspiration to you. Uh, it certainly was a great prayer service. You know, the day before we did that, on Thursday the 19th, we had a national uh, protest against Planned Parenthood, which I led. We had it in the, uh, on the streets of Washington, D.C., in front of their, uh, the Planned Parenthood office and, and, and abortion center there. We had about 500 people out on the streets. And then um, after that prayer service you just saw, we had the rally and the March for Life. And then we had the Silent No More gathering, uh, which uh, uh, Janet, who introduced me in that clip, and, and I led in front of the Supreme Court for various uh, women who've had abortions coming and giving their testimony, testifying to the, the loving Forgiving, uh, forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And then the next, uh, that night and I flew to San Francisco and we had, we did it again a second time. We did the, the march out there, the Silent No More gathering out there, uh, prayer services and, and uh, gatherings out there on Saturday, just the day before yesterday. And then um, that night I flew back to Washington and yesterday in the morning we had a prayer service right at the steps of the Supreme Court because it was the actual 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, and we had flowers and, and prayers led by various clergy uh, honoring and remembering all the babies, 65 and a half million of them.
that were legally killed since Roe v. Wade killed by abortion. So brothers and sisters, these have been very eventful days for our movement. You saw the enthusiasm of the crowd in that hall. That's just a little reflection of the enthusiasm of the crowds across the country in these last few days, gathering together for this great movement for life. With that in mind, and after I pray, I'm, and when we finish, I'm going to show you again the clip of the, the Silent No More campaign. With all this in mind, let's again turn to the Lord of life and the Lord of mercy with our prayer intentions. Lord, we pray for ourselves. We pray for our children and grandchildren. We pray for all the viewers right now gathered together for this uh, time of prayer. We pray for our leaders, both in church and in state. Uh, Lord, bring them to a deep, deep sense of loyalty to you and to life. Uh, and Lord, we ask you, save us from deception and bring our nation forward in truth, in peace, and in the embrace of life. Enable us, Lord, to do good, to, to serve you. And now we pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thanks, friends, for joining me tonight for this special program. Join me again tomorrow. Spread the word about our program. And meanwhile, stay connected with me on social media at FR Frank Pavone. Make sure you're on Getter and all the other platforms. Make sure you have your Truth Social account. RSBN, likewise, follow them at RSBN, uh, RSB Network. And, uh, and we look forward to continuing praying with you and reflecting with you about saving America. God bless you. Talk to you soon. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.